Hey everybody, it's Rob. Another throwback episode as Lauren and I wrap up our vacation in July. This episode coming from May of 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, where I sit down with coach Tim Wellmaker, who at that point was at eHire and is now at Stone Resource Group. Uh, but coach is gonna walk us through a presentation he gave at Engage in 2019, where he talks about his community-based model of selling and how that led to some massive gains and revenue for eHire at that point. And I'm sure he's doing something very similar at Stone. Take a listen to the episode and let us know what you think. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Leap Consulting Solutions. Digitally transform your business the right way, the Leap way. Visit www.leapconsultingsolutions.com to find out more on how your business can build, change, and adopt technology the right way, the Leap way. Coach, how's it going? Doing great, Rob. How are you? I cannot complain. Luckily, I work from home as we get ready for a weird time in U.S. business and kind of social history here with the coronavirus getting ready to impact our day to day. Let's not worry about that yet. Let's actually focus on this podcast and the conversation. So, guys, this is going to be a special episode. We're going to obviously let Coach talk about himself for about two minutes and the company he works for. But then we're going to have a special topic. It's not going to be about the people experience. It's going to be more about how to grow revenue and, and a really cool and interesting way to grow revenue once you can go back and have contact with humans. So coach, why don't you do a quick two minute intro of yourself and then tell us a little bit more about eHire and what you do there. Certainly, thanks Rob. So as Rob alluded, I'm Tim Wellmaker. My friends affectionately refer to me as coach because my nighttime unpaid job is coaching middle school, specifically eighth grade football up here in the Atlanta area. My paid job and what I've been doing for the last 25 years or so has been building high-performance recruiting and sales teams, all within the technology staffing ecosystem. I started the business in 1995, and here we are many years later, a couple of decades later, by myself, still in the business, loving every moment of it, taking people, the young men and women right out of school, helping them understand how to function highly as recruiters and account managers in the technology ecosystem. And currently with eHire, I'm in my eighth year with eHire, and eHire is an Atlanta-based technology staffing and solutions company focusing both on the high growth SaaS market and helping them bring in open source developers, product managers, project managers, as well as the enterprise market with large name brand global clients. And everyone would recognize if we dropped a few names, helping them step up from a contracting standpoint. So that's the elevator pitch. That's me and that's the company. So guys, the special episode part of this is that, like I said, we're not going to focus on the people experience. We're going to actually focus on a new way of sales and something that coach did an incredible job of presenting at Bullhorn Engage Boston last year. And I wanted to just kind of recap it as we were getting closer to Bullhorn Engage Austin for 2020. And coach, really the title of the talk was Community Engagement to Grow Revenue. That's right. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And if you want to give a, maybe that two minute elevator pitch or maybe the five minute elevator pitch of what that entails, and then maybe we'll dive deeper into certain parts of it, if that makes sense, or just kind of run through like the opening kind of slides you went through at that presentation. Sure, sure. From a very high level, Rob, we were discussing different ways that you can increase your revenue footprint. And of course, that leads to higher margin. That leads, hopefully, if your business is being led well at the end of C-suite, it leads to higher profitability. And one of the things that we touched on was the fact that everyone, right, we're all hungry hippos and we're all looking for bigger market share and great ways to grow our revenue stream. And as I benchmark through the Atlanta market with peers that I've been in the business with over the last 25 years, what I've discovered is that 
lot of companies are very flat right now. And a lot of companies are trying methods to grow their footprint, expand their revenue. And we're missing out on a couple of really key methodologies that are old school. We've been able to take some old school concepts and add a new spin to those and operationalize that with an e-hire. And at a time where a lot of our competitors are flat, we've taken the business, our company is 10 years old, and we've gone from zero to about $45 million over the course of the last 10 years. But most of that growth came within the last five years as our community work began to develop and they began to pay dividends. So what we talked about was a community engagement model. We explained exactly what that was and how you can operationalize it, how you can make it a part of your business outside of just a buzzword and an expectation that your account managers and recruiters get engaged in the market. We talked a little bit about how to do it, how to operationalize it, how to make it part of the standard daily vernacular of your business and how to wrap some KPIs around it. And then we ended the session with a real live example of a community engagement model that resulted in a $3 million revenue stream over the course of one year. So one example, one client that engaged with us because of the model that led to a $3 million revenue book for a specific year. So maybe we start with the story, Coach, if you want to give a high-level overview of that. Because I think that will proof of pudding, right? The proof is in the pudding. And then we can break it down. But the other thing, guys, is we're going to share some of the content that we went over at Engage with you guys in the show notes. So we don't need to dive too deep. I think there's some key things that we'll obviously highlight in terms of operationalizing and KPIing it. But I think if you want to share the story, I think that'll be a good kind of segue. And then we can actually talk about how you guys made it operational. And maybe to give you guys a sense of my relationship with Coach, I was actually their bullhorn rep. And then I actually worked with their team to sell them Herefish and operationalize Herefish last year. So I'm familiar with their tech stack. I'm familiar with how amazing the rock stars and the team are. Coach being one of them, but I maybe just kind of show what that team does to be such high-level performers, Coach. So go ahead. So, you know, one of the examples we used was a company that opened up an innovation center here in Atlanta, a name brand company. You've got their products in your toolbox, your literal toolbox. You use them to build, hammer, saw, you know, put things together. So I'll let you kind of draw the reference as to who that might be, but it's a name brand. So probably best to start with how we came into the opportunity. We've got an association in Georgia called the Technology Association of Georgia, or here we refer to affectionately as TAG. And TAG is a, an association that connects businesses with technology practitioners and creates a really lush ecosystem for meetups, for big, large cornerstone events. And it really serves for EIR as a one-stop engagement shop for us. It makes it really easy for us to work with our recruiters and work with our account managers and get them involved in different organizations. So TAG is kind of that one stop for us. I sit on the board of an association called TAG Ed, and it really plays into my passion for helping develop young kids on the football field. That may be 14 to 15 year olds, but in the classroom, that's the K through 12 range. And what TAG Ed does is it helps to stimulate and agitate that awareness of STEM topics, science, technology, engineering, and math. And we provide programs and internships for rising seniors and rising 11th graders and connect them with really cool enterprise level companies in Atlanta throughout the summer where they're doing paid internships. It keeps them excited about technology. And really what we're doing is we're building Atlanta's future workforce. So that's the backdrop. Because of my experience and because of my work as a board member in TAG Ed, 
I was introduced to our friends at the Metro Atlanta Chamber to do some pitches to companies that are considering Atlanta as a destination point, right? In Atlanta, if I could do a quick plug for Atlanta, for the last eight years, Atlanta has been the number one business destination for technology companies in the world. So a lot of that is done through the really cool work that's being done at the chamber. But because of my association, because of my engagement model at the Technology Association of Georgia, I was introduced to the chief economic development officer for the Metro Chamber, and I was put on a pitch team. Now, a pitch team is a team that goes in when companies are considering Atlanta as a finalist. It may be between Atlanta and Charlotte and Austin, and they're doing their tour, right? So we go in. And we talk to them about why Atlanta. And my specific swim lane is to talk to companies about the workforce availability. And if you're looking for these kinds of people, then you may want to consider setting up in this zip code or this area versus another area of the city. That's the specialization that we provide. So we did a specific pitch. And we always do these pitches, Rob. It's interesting. It's always blind. We can see who we're pitching to, but we never know the company. All we know is that they're a fintech company or they're a consumer product company, that sort of thing. But we do our pitch, we did our job. About a year later, fast forward, we get a call from the company. And they said, hey, Tim, I don't know if you remember us or not, but we spoke to you and you talked to us about Atlanta. And guess what? We've chosen Atlanta. And we're going to come and set up our innovation center for our sensor-driven connected product, IoT-type technologies. And we'd like for you folks at eHire to staff all of our director-level positions as we set up this innovation center. And really what that meant for us is as we booked the revenue, as we made placements and put contractors on to jobs, is we realized that three-plus million-dollar revenue stream over the course of 14 months from one client that could specifically be related back to our level of engagement in the community. So when you talk about community engagement, it's more than serving. That's a big part of it, but it does have a very circular effect. If you use it right, if you engage with the right people, it does come back to building relationships that will eventually result in revenue. It's a bit of a long play. It's definitely not a quick fix. It's not like cold calling 150 cold calls over the course of the week with the expectation that you're going to get one meeting. A community-based model, if developed organically, it's a long-term investment in the process. It's an investment in your people because you're really teaching people how to develop professionally. Keep in mind, if you're taking some young folks just out of school, or if your model is to bring in account development reps or BDRs to pound the phones, they're going to want a career path. And if you have an engagement model where you can take them and help them understand what it means to make meaningful connections that will result eventually in revenue, well, that's an investment that you have to make. So that's the story that was kind of the end product. But if you look in our 40 plus million dollar in revenue that we booked last year, if you look at that, that revenue would either have direct line or dotted line origins in our community-based models. We do very little business where it's just the luck of the draw. I mean, we play the numbers game. We're going to make X number of cold calls. We're going to get X number of meetings and we're going to get X number of job orders and book X number of placement out of that. But that revenue pales in comparison. It pales in comparison to the business that we do that's developed via the community-based model. I love it. And I think, guys, if you saw Tim present, there's a whole other level to it. This guy's energy is incredible. So 
If he's pitching the city of Atlanta to you, you're going to buy it. I can guarantee you that. And Tip, why don't we go, because I, I mean, I've seen this presentation. Luckily, I was the one that introduced it. So I just sat there and I was like, if coach is going to present, I'm going to listen. I was also a high school football coach too. So got a little tie there. We could talk about the benefits of South Florida football versus Georgia football. Both are excellent, no. but let's not do that. That's not what this is about. But one of the things I enjoyed was how you taught the team, like the mentorship setup that you had that taught the team how to engage. And then after that, why don't we talk about the KPI? So like, you know, you're higher level, right? You're on the board, you're on the pitch team. How do you teach those new BDRs, those new account management guys? Because I know you bring in some college grads and I've met them. How do you teach them to engage and create meaningful relationships and engagements with these associations, especially TAG? Sure, that's a great question. And I'm going to resist the temptation to use a football technique or a coaching technique. And do it. You teach it from the ground level. Every spring when we get together, every summer when we get together to start the season, no matter how experienced the kid is, we start at the very fundamental level. We teach them how to get into a proper stand. We teach them how to come off the football. We teach them as if they're six-year-olds all over again. And we do the same thing with our folks here at eHire or wherever I've been. If you're going to introduce a community engagement model where the end result or the end game is to create a meaningful relationship with buyers, right, with people that are decision makers, and you have to start from the ground floor. So we take a young person here at eHire that starts in June, right? One of the things we do when we talk about operationalizing this concept, Rob, is that we hire people with this concept in mind. So when we look at a person's resume and their resume is not going to be very long, they're a college student, right? We don't necessarily spend a lot of time on GPA and what they studied. As you and I both know, C's get degrees, right? We're looking for people that were highly engaged when they were in school. Were they in a fraternity? And if they were in a fraternity or a sorority, did they do more than just show up? Did they manage fundraisers, right? Were they part of the recruiting committee? Were they there when the incoming freshmen were coming in that talking about their sorority or a fraternity? Did they work? Did they pay their way through college? Did they work 30 hours a week and graduate in four or four and a half years? Those are the kind of characteristics that we look at that demonstrate that these are very highly social people. And when they come into eHire, part of the interview process is to find out what they're passionate about, right? So when we talk about community, we serve in two different ways. We serve on the benevolent side, right? We expect people to want to serve in projects like Habitat for Humanity or the Ronald McDonald House or Cure for Cancer or the Comas Foundation. We expect those kinds of things. And those are benevolent areas of service. We also look and we query about what they're technology passions are. Now, keep in mind, we don't hire technologists to work at eHire. Recruiters aren't technologists. We place technologists, but we want to know what their passion is. Do they like web development? Do they like user interface? Do they like data science? So, you know, we try to find out what they're passionate about. And if I have a young person that comes to the company that's passionate about data science, well, we have data science meetups. We have data science user groups. The Technology Association of Georgia has a society that's all about data analytics with over 500 members, and they do one meetup a month, and they have a huge data science awards banquet that they do every year. So we have opportunities to plug our recruiters or plug our account managers into these situations. And we start by just asking them to serve. What does that mean? Well, it means you go to a meetup of data scientists and you look around the room and you're like, you know what? They don't have food. They don't have enough chairs. Their space is cramped. 
And you go to the guy or the young lady that chairs that committee and say, you know what, we can get you space. We'll pay for your space for your next meeting. And you know what? We'll provide the pizza. We'll fly in a speaker. So you begin to become something of a value add within that specific community, not by trying to serve alongside with a CIO or a CTO of a data analytics company that may be on that board, but by doing and serving sacrificially, right? But the real secret sauce happens when you do get a board seat, which is not unheard of for a 25 or a 26 year old recruiter to get on the board because just like associations are just like companies, they're starving for good people to serve and help them solve problems. So a typical problem at Tag Ed, or I sit on the board, is fundraising. How are we gonna fund the internship program to get 150 high school kids working at NCR or at Equifax or at the Coca-Cola company or at the Home Depot company working at their help desk bar, right? Or working in some sort of technical capability. How are we gonna do that? Well, in order to do that, I'm sitting on the board with people. And Rob, when I talk about way above my pay grade, I'm talking about way above my pay grade, right? I have access to CEOs of Fortune 50 companies, right? I could never buy my way into that. You couldn't cold call your way to there. No, I can't cold call my way there. I couldn't at some silent auction buy a lunch with a CEO or a CTO of Equifax. But because I'm on the board with that person, right? And I'm helping us together solve the future workforce availability problem in Atlanta. That buys me the right, that earns me the right at some point in time to go to Mr. CTO or Mr. DIO and say, you know what? We've done some real cool, meaningful work together. What's your staffing situation looking like over at Equifax? How can I help you out? And that's the end game, right? So don't put a 24-year-old in that situation right away, right? I'm going to put that person in a service model where they're asking how they can help. Can I set chairs up? Can I break down the room? Can I set the room up for you? And then the next meeting, they're going to get a little bit closer and a little bit closer, and they're going to inch by inch, life's a sense, right? Inch by inch, they're going to work their way into a position where they can say, you know what? You got a board seat open. I've been here with you for a year. I'd love to get on the board. Get me engaged. If I'm only on the board seat and I'm doing cold calls to raise funds for the internship program, I'll do it. But then we teach them the migratory path from being associated with a community organization to being highly engaged and solving problems within that organization, which earns them the right to ask for the business eventually. Did that answer the question? That was awesome. I love it all. That's the idea. Like you have to give to get or to ask. To give to ask. That's right. So I think that's a really easy, clear cut definition. And the first story you told, the examples you just gave, they all paint the same picture, right? Like you have to give to ask. And I think that's really great. There's the South Florida Tech Alliance. I do something similar with where I don't really ask a lot, but I just like to give because I like to be around technology people. And there's a lot of technology staffing companies that are giving in there. And that's how I became friends with a lot of staffing leaders. So in the space or in the area, I mean, it works the same way. Right? We use the expression that give to get, we use the expression of earning the right, right? Earning the right. And it's a concept that can be played out not only in the community engagement model, it can be played out on a phone call with a technologist that you're recruiting for, because as a recruiters, we have to get to the truth and we have to get to the, I call it the kitchen space. We've got to get into the kitchen with the candidate very quickly, but you do that through building rapport and eventually earning the right to ask 
some very personal questions about income, about work-life balance, about what does your partner think about you potentially making these moves. And these aren't questions that you can get to in the first two minutes of a phone call. Just like in the community engagement model, you can't ask for the business if you've only been a part of that community for one month. It takes a little while. It takes a little work and it takes patience and investment on the part of the partners, on the part of the owners, on the part of the CEO of the company. This is an institutionalized program that you have to wrap some KPIs around and you've got to put some money into it. I love that you've just segued into the next thing I want to talk about. What are the KPIs that you placed around this to make it more organizational or operational? So we have community engagement meetings and expectations the same way that we do expectations around the number of candidates that you submit to jobs on a weekly basis, the number of interviews that you get on a weekly basis, and the number of placements that you make on a monthly basis. And a lot of this is driven, as you know, by Amanda you've worked with at EHI for a long time, but she's kind of the community driver. And we set these numbers up where everyone in the company, bar none, Rob, everyone in the company, whether you are working in the back office or whether you're a frontline account manager, business developer, whether you're a recruiter, has to have two outside events per month. We measure that, we talk about it, we celebrate it. We put people on plans, performance improvement plan that aren't able to live up to our expectation of community involvement. If you were to walk into our office tomorrow, you would see our core foundational values. And our core foundational values are wrapped around an acronym of CARPE, as in CARPE DM, right? And the first foundational value for C in CARPE is community, right? So community, accountability, respect, passion, and excellence. So the very first one is community involvement. And in our performance improvement plans are when we're having our monthly one-on-ones with our recruiters and our account managers, whether they're on a performance improvement plan or not, we're just having our standard one-on-one. Here's what the month looked like. Here's what you did great. Here's where you ended up. What are you going to do to improve upon that next month? It's all based around the Carpe Foundational Value. So we talk about community. What did you do in the community? Okay. How are you holding yourself accountable? Talk to us about respect. Are you respected? Are you respectful? All those things we talk about. So when we institutionalize it and operationalize it, we expect people to go on an X number of community engagement events on a monthly basis. And that's the first KPI that we measure. No, I love it. I think it reminds me of, as you kind of go down the LinkedIn path, right? And for an SDR or a recruiter now, like, did you engage with 200 people? Did you connect with 200 people? Are you sending in-mails? Are you providing, are you adding something, adding value, right? So community, you know, you guys are very localized. I think you guys do some national stuff too, but control what you can. Like you can control your engagement nationally. You can control your engagement on LinkedIn, right? So control those things. And that's part of the community, right? Because I think engaging anywhere and just adding value anywhere is going to give back at some point. Sure. You know, this community model has intended and unintended consequences, right? And one of the things that people don't think about this, that is an unintended outstanding consequence, is the amount of liquidity that this helps you build up in your own career, right? So think about this. When people come to me and they're like, Tim, I'm out of a job or I'm thinking of making a change in a job. I don't want to just send my resume into an online application. Where do I start? We talk to people about developing a relationship spreadsheet. A relationship spreadsheet is simply putting on an Excel spreadsheet, everybody you know, to a certain extent, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people that you know. And you rate these people along two different dimensions. People that are 
able to help and people that are willing to help. And I'll give you an example. If you're grading people on a scale of one to five, my mother would rate a five on her willingness to help me, but she would rate a zero on her ability to help me, right? She's 85 years old and she doesn't know a lot of people and she doesn't think very well right now, right? Her network's not big, right? So think about this. Think about if you're in a community model where you're solving some really cool problems and you're overcoming some really great challenges with, oh, with something really good going on. Yeah, what's awesome. to have? Yeah. My relationship spreadsheet, I'm not looking to leave e-hire, but if I did, and I was looking at what to do with the next 15, 20 years of my life, my relationship spreadsheet would be filled with C-level, VP-level, and director-level people that I've been doing some really cool stuff with, right? And so it earns me the right to say, hey, Rob, I'd like to have coffee with you. I'm thinking about making some changes in my career and what get your thoughts on me, you know, what you think about my career path and how you might be able to leverage and help connect with some people in your network, right? So it creates that type of liquidity to where you can be bold and bulletproof when it comes to making decisions about, do I want to stay here? Do I want to leave? What's the next big challenge for me? Your network will be unparalleled. It'll be untouchable. Unintended consequence. This huge individual boost, right? So, sure. I mean, I had to convince you to record this with me. I had to get some liquidity with you, even though I'd known you. Yeah. Uh-huh. You were like, why do you want to record with me? Like, what? I'm like, because you tell a really great story. People are always looking for ways to increase revenue. Like, and you sure. told a great story about it. And once I said that, yeah. you were like, all right, I'm in. That's <laughs> but before that, coach multiple times was like, what do you want to do? What's the yeah. podcast? What, what like, it's all about? Yeah. So, I mean, but same thing though, right? I mean, yeah, it's the it same is. thing. Right. You and I had a connection. We networked together. You had something that you wanted and needed. And that relationship, the work that you've done for us, right? The tools that you've helped us implement and you've helped us understand how to leverage those tools to make our company better, to make our recruiters better. That has equity. That has equity with me. And if anyone else had asked me to do something like this, it would have been a long back and forth process. And but you know me, I know you, I know the work that you do, the quality of work, you know, the quality of work that I do. So it became a no brainer. I would say that probably the most important thing about this, Rob, is to have the support of the leadership of your company. Kyle, who is a managing partner and the CEO of eHire is passionate about serving and giving back to the community. And if you walked in any meetup in Atlanta and you started looking at, okay, who are the recruiters? You would be able to target, you'd be able to look and find the recruiters because they're typically hovered by the drinks. If there's beer, craft beer, they're going to be over there by the craft beer. They're going to be over there by the food and they're going to be targeting. They're going to be looking at, okay, who can I connect with? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? The e-hire methodology is not to do that at all. We don't go into a service engagement model looking to get something out of it day one. We're looking to get back to the ecosystem. Atlanta's got a very vibrant and a very thriving technology ecosystem as witnessed by the number of companies that are setting up here in Atlanta. It's been a great career for me and it's been very good for eHire. So our first thought is we want to give back. We want to give back to the community. And in giving back, it has this circular effect that will always come back to the bottom line. But it is an investment and you've got to have the patience And you've got to have the willingness to teach people how to do it the right way. So it costs money, but it's not like any other tool that you implement. It's going to cost you money. Makes sense. I appreciate it. I was hoping you were going to say that at some point in the conversation. I was going to say, one of my favorite things to do is cook. So if there's a grill and I can cook at a meet-up event, Uh I'm in it there. (laughs) 
We'll fly you up. Or, yeah, let me know. I'm a great specialty. Just flipping meat and burgers. Anything on a grill. I can actually cook pretty well, too, by the way. But okay. I've been trained under Argentinian and Brazilian plug. steakhouses. Oh, wow. You tell me what you need me to cook. I'm very good, I think. I mean, my wife likes it. My friends will eat my food, so. But that's what I like. I mean, like, I don't stand there and just want to, like, clock people. I want to give back. I'm like, I want to be engaged. And number one, if you're cooking, like, everyone's going to talk to you, so. Everyone's going to be on the grill. Right. Everyone loves to grill that. If you're the bartender, everyone's going to talk uh-huh. to you. So like, it, that's right. But it's that mindset uh-huh. of like, let's not just take, let's be a part of, right? And then give it, and that's not, so. Anyway, let me know if you need a grill master. And yeah. you're I love hanging out with you guys anyway. <laughs> All right, coach, we got about two, three minutes left. You're going to talk about Engage again. So what's the talk about? Give me a quick plug, two minute plug about what you're talking about Engage, and then we'll wrap up. I'm really, really excited about the talk in Austin. Uh, I've got a standalone presentation again, and we're going to be talking about what I call the battle of evermore, right? The battle of evermore is that gap that exists between the recruiting organizations and the sales organization. We're going to play out a typical scenario of a recruiter that says, hey, I've given my account manager three resumes. I've got no feedback, and he's beating me up for four more resumes. Come on, man. And the account manager on the other side is, what are the recruiters doing? The rec's been open for two days. I've only got three resumes, and I need three or four more. And that's just an example of the type of friction that exists in this business every day. A certain amount of friction is good for the business because it holds people accountable. It makes them work a little bit harder. But I've seen organizations where that gap becomes so big that it becomes destructive to the culture, right? It becomes very cancerous to the organization. We're going to talk about how you can mediate some of those relationships and how you can create an organization built upon trust, transparency straight talk so that the two organizations are working meaningfully towards a common goal and not against each other. So that's the basis. Awesome. Well, I'll be there again. Don't worry. You got one uh-huh. definite audience. I'll have better. at least one. Good. Yeah. Uh-huh. And plus everyone from eHire will be there. I know Laura and the team will be there. I love those guys. They will. Okay. So if you're about going to engage at some point, six months from June, we'll do this again where we let coach go through what he talked about so we don't steal bullhorn thunder because they do a really great job and it's one of my favorite conferences. So Kudos to those guys. Coach, thank you. Where can people find you? How do you want to be engaged with? I know it's really hard to steal your time as I had a proof. So how do they how do they engage with you? You can reach out to me via LinkedIn. You can come to the website and find me, but Tim Wellmaker on LinkedIn, Tim Coach Wellmaker, easy to find. Connect with me there. If you want to talk about this topic and understand how to implement it and how to operationalize it, happy to chat with you. And otherwise, look forward to meeting anyone that's going to be in Austin in June. Yeah, guys, definitely don't miss coaches. The energy is incredible. Again, I don't think I could say that enough, but it was one of the best presentations I've seen in a very long time. So coach, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for listening to the You Own the Experience podcast. You can catch all our previous episodes at whyweepodcast.com and learn more about our thriving staffing community by signing up for the Wiley newsletter. And coming soon is Staffing Huddle, an online open community dedicated to your staffing success. I'm Rob. And I'm Lauren. Go do something good. good.